guys, welcome back to Teen Muscle Radio and episode number 36. So today, guys, we are very, very lucky to be joined by Jeff Alberts. Um, And Jeff, if you, for some reason, have been living under a a large natural bodybuilding rock and you've not heard of Jeff before, um, Jeff is a very, very experienced natural bodybuilder himself having competed um, since, since uh, I think, 19 was your first show, right, Jeff? 19 years uh, of was, age? I was 22, but 20, it was in the early, nine, in the early, early 90s, 90s, though. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so, yeah, very, very young, like, started competing and obviously competing up till now, like, over 31 years of, of hard training in the bag and, and just tons of experience, not only with himself, competing but also a ton of athletes through his coaching with team 3dmj which again if you've not heard of team 3dmj by now like you'll have been you'll have been not in the natural body realm i think um and you know it's this huge resource of of great stuff with with their books podcasts and and their channel as well so i'm super excited to have jeff on like personally i've been following jeff for a long time i can remember reaching out after I competed and won my one one of my first shows I reached out to Jeff and I said I just said thank you because all of your content that you put out had, had helped me not only develop the knowledge for my for my own competition prep but then in in future years allowed me to to prep other people and and without that I really don't think I'd be where I was today so um you know Jeff's been a huge part of me and my process as an athlete and and setting up my coaching company so um, yeah, I'm pumped for this, and, and Jeff, it's it's super good to have you here. How how are you today? I'm I'm good. Thanks for the introduction, and it, it does make me feel really good knowing that I helped out uh, indirectly, mm-hmm. but directly. You know, you know what I mean. So it's I think it's good that I'm able to pass on my experiences to guys like you, who then pass the torch to, you know, someone else. So it just keeps going, but. Not only that, but you guys are far ahead of where I was when I was, you know, early 20s. You know, I was like, so it's good to know that that knowledge is being passed and things are getting better and better as we go. Yeah, and that's the cool thing that's, you know, shows the the development of the sport. It's like the young guys coming up are going to be potentially breeding crazy physiques as a result of training quite effectively from such a young age, which is something quite cool to think about. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. It's crazy to think like where I was in my early 20s and, and seeing guys where they're at now in their early 20s. It's like night and day. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, I can imagine. Cool. Well, guys, today we are primarily going to be discussing the topic of show day. Now, the reason I chose this is primarily because Jeff has got such a huge amount of experience, like I said, not only with himself, but with athletes as well, Um, taking athletes through several show days and just gaining a a whole wealth of knowledge and experience from that. Um, And also, I think that it's something that has not been covered on other podcasts so much, like we discuss the 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 muscle gain process we discuss fat loss and contest prep and the mindset and psychologically like how this affects us but not so much the just the day itself and writing out the questions i even said in the email to jeff i was like man i've got so much to ask like there's such a huge topic um but we're going to cover what we can and hopefully you guys will take home some some advice to take into your show day if you're competing this year or in future years um so hopefully this will be a good resource so jeff let's start off with 
basically, we know that the show day itself is obviously just the icing on the cake of things. But over the years, when it comes to sort of the final few weeks and sort of preparing yourself for that actual day, just the last little touches, I guess, with regards to that last week, not so much with peaking or nutrition or anything like that, more so Mm. mentally, um, you know, preparing certain items like accommodation, travel, etc. What have you learned over the years and, and how do you sort of, approach that final phase basically man it's like like you said it you have to realize and understand that that's that's the cherry on top of the sunday you know yeah is that that day you have to think about okay yeah you're you're nervous you want to do well on stage you know you prepared for weeks months years in my case for that day but you have to go in there with the mentality of like you know what i'm i'm taking that day as a celebration of all the hard work. Mm. So regardless of of what the judges think or or if you try to compete with other guys or whatever, it's it's about celebrating your journey. Like that's your time to shine. So for me personally, when I go on the shows now, it's like I'm not gonna let a panel of judges dictate my success. Like I know how hard I worked. You know, as a competitive athlete, like when you get on stage, you can't control what the, the bodybuilders are doing. You can't control what the judges are doing. Mm-hmm. You only have control over yourself and how you how you perceive it. So to me, it's like regardless of, of all that, I'm going to go out there and just have as much fun as possible because I've done so many shows where I've put so much pressure on myself leading into shows, you know, about winning or whatever, just stressing on the little things, especially with a peak week. The show day, you're stressing over all this stuff. And I wake up on Sunday morning and go, well, shit, I didn't enjoy anything because I was a stressed out mess. So to me, it's like I'm just going to take all the years of work, get on stage and just have a blast. So that's this really helped me to relax if when coming at it from that mindset. And I did that in 2014 when I headed into the Pro International. It's like one of the biggest shows in the natural body circuit. But I was just like. I'm not going to let the judges dictate, you know, if, if I get first place, awesome. If I get last place, who cares? Because it was my best physique to that point. Mm. So, you know, I know deep down what's successful or not. If, if I, if you cut corners, let's say you're cheating on your diet here and there, you're not doing your cardio, whatever you get on stage and you're not at your very best, regardless of a placing, you know, deep down whether you're successful or not. Yeah. So absolutely. even if you do win, yeah, okay, maybe you get a first place trophy, but you know when you wake up the next door, you're like, oh, shit, I was probably just lucky because I cheated on my diet and all that. So, so that's that mindset of like, okay, I'm just gonna go celebrate. It's it's really helped calm my nerves down. Yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree with you in regards to people putting a lot of pressure on themselves, pertaining to results based um, activities like with 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 bodybuilding. It's just like people tend to chase just the trophy and i know one of your big things is you try and advocate the idea of chasing the physique rather than chasing other variables like um the the, like the trophy or like the accolades that you might get um you know if you chase your best possible physique then that's like all you can do um when especially we're in a sport that's subjective and there's seven people however many judges on the table they all have their own opinion and and that's it on the end of the day um you 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 match the criteria as close as you can do 
um, and that's all you can do. Um, but I think, you know, what would you say, and this is an interesting question as well, um, over the years, obviously, you've developed this idea of chasing the physique over chasing accolades and trophies. But would you still say, like, in those final few weeks when you you can see the finish line, is there still a re- like a, a large proportion of the Jeff inside of you that's, like, really competitive and just got that competitive drive to step next to someone and think, like, I'm chasing the physique, but I really want to beat you type thing? No, no, no doubt. I mean, there's still a part of me that, you know, it's not about, you know, I'm not just going to say I'm not competitive or I don't yeah. care. I still want to do well when I'm on stage. And usually that competitive come, comes out of me once I step on stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because then it's like once I start posing, then it's like, okay, now I'm going to try to beat the guys on my left and right. And I'll admit, you know, when I was going to that Pro International, I knew Marshall Johnson was going to be there. Mm. So, you know, I'm looking at, okay, that's the that's the conditioning level that I got to try to match. Uh, I got to make sure my symmetry is on point. Like, you know, you do try to go in there and be competitive. So there's things that I do look at where I'm like, okay, it keeps that fuel going. So I use it as fuel, mm-hmm. um, but it's not the primary driver. No. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it's like, but as far as that fiery competitiveness, it's not like I'm four weeks out and I'm like, yeah, I got to win and I'm cranking out a bunch of curls or whatever. It's it's more like, okay, once I'm done pumping up, I'm getting ready to actually step on stage. And I'm like, okay, let's go get this. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm still, yeah, but I'm in total control though when I get on stage. And we'll talk posing later, but yeah, it's I'm in total control when I'm out there. But I am competitive. Good, yeah, no, that's I think that's good to note because I think, you know, taking in your messages it, it is quite clear to see why we chase the physique. Um, but it's good to have the reminder that that you know that we're in we're in a sport where we still have however many people to ideally beat on stage and you know it is a competitive sport that's not only within yourself but other people it's just the decision that comes from the judges that that is something that you need to put at the back of your head i guess um okay cool so when it comes to um and i know that you'll have athletes like this where potentially you're competing quite far away from home and it might be even in like an abroad country or something like that so with regards to how you've dealt with that in the past, maybe in terms of preparing meals or organizing travel arrangements, how have you dealt yeah. with that? Because I know that a lot of people do tend to potentially travel to, to shows. Yeah, it's it can be quite stressful to travel distance. So it's it you gotta be you gotta plan ahead. Yeah. That's the bottom line. You you gotta okay, well here's your show, it's on a Saturday. Try to get to that city or that hotel you know, at least a couple of days in advance. That way, the the main thing is to really ideally is the environment that you're prepping in, like your daily routine. Like you have a structure, you have a nice flow when you're at home doing things. You want to basically try to set that up where you're going. Mm-hmm. So if you get there, let's say your show's on a Saturday and you get there Friday night, you're going to be a stressed out mess because now you're trying to put everything in order in a short time span. Whereas if you get there a couple of days ahead, you know, if you could afford it, because, you know, obviously it costs more to stay in hotels a little bit longer. But that would be ideal because that way you have time to get everything in order, your meals, um, you know, the timing of, let's say, tanning or or the check ins, the polygraph testing, all that. If you get there ahead of time, you get it all situated. 
then you can instead of on Friday night rushing to scramble to get all this stuff in order, Friday night you're chilling. You're chilling watching some, I don't know, NFL Network or, mm-hmm. or some, some sports game. You're just sitting there relaxing. That's what you want to do when you're when you're you know you're going to be competing the next day. You want to be you want your nerves to be settled. You want you know basically a calm environment because you're going to peak better when your stress levels are lower. Yeah, you're super amplified with, with stress. Your cortisol levels are going to elevate. You're going to probably tend to hold a little bit more water than you would if you're just sitting there chilling on the couch. Mm. Uh, so that was something I made it a point when I traveled in 2014 was to get there at least two days ahead of time so I can get everything just smooth sailing. When I did the worlds, it was a little bit more chaotic, um, and and that was just um, I think you, one of the questions was about you know who you're traveling with and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It does make a difference, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But yeah, just in, in a nutshell, though, plan ahead, get your your hotel situated, you know, where you're going to stay, um, your food. Like if you're traveling, you get off the once you get your your hotel settled, all that, find a grocery store, get all your foods that you need, get everything in order, basically, so you're you have the same environment from what you do typically on your your regular days at home mm. make that environment where you're going to be at yeah yeah no i i see that a lot and I, you know i can relate with that even myself like i've been in situations where i've rushed up to to venues and and been just a giant stress bucket trying to organize everything and <laughs> yep. uh, and then you end up making a mistake like i've made a mistake in the final few days of of a peaking process because i've just not been in my usual routine like the little things like if you don't bring your your cup which you usually drink water out of and you start drinking water out of like tiny little cups yeah it's these little things like i've had guys like i don't have i don't have this or that it's like these little tiny things and there's they're like a big stress ball and i'm like it's okay man that one little thing's not going to affect the big picture you relax you know so just you know i would even doing 30 shows there's been shows where, okay, they've been a little bit more perfect than others, but I have yet to have a 100% perfect peak. And I'm talking about not just with the way my body looks, but with like how everything is just smooth. Yeah. Um, I would say the Pro International was one of those shows where just everything aligned perfectly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, very, it's kind of rare, and you kind of have to embrace the fact that you are going to make mistakes. That's why I recommend athletes to compete more than once per year. If they're going to compete, at least do two shows because the first show you're going to jack up. You can learn something. Some things, some things will go well. Some things are going to go bad. But at least you have another show to improve upon. You know, yeah. you can improve the little things. And it's not so much, you know, okay, yeah, I try to get leaner and yada, yada, yada. But it's more about, okay, how can I fine-tune that peak process to make it a little bit more smoother? Yeah, absolutely agreed. I think, you know, when you're dieting for so long, like, you know, 20 plus weeks of dieting, I I, I almost I almost couldn't do that with the goal of just one show. I think I'd always have to have one or two in the bag just to think like, okay, well, if I learn something from this one, I can go on to the next one um, and, and take it forward. Obviously, if you're preparing for just one huge big event, like for you, maybe Worlds or something like that, it's a bit different. But if you're prepping mm-hmm. for just one regional show, it might might make an influence to do sort of slightly more than one. Cool. Um. Okay, so we also know that when it comes to presentation, a lot of things do are, are, are sort of key when it comes to that. So with tanning and preparing your process towards tanning, I, I, 
I see a lot of tanning processes go wrong and I'm sure you've seen a lot of tanning processes go wrong in your time. So what have you learned over the years with regards to tanning in in the whole sense? So like um, talk about as well if you've got any preference over people gathering color over time in the weeks prior to the show. So using sunbeds, etc. Um, and then yeah. also sort of different products and, and preparing the skin, etc. before the tanning process. Yeah, because I've done so many shows in the 90s, 2000s, and now here we are in 2017. Back in the day, I was I relied on like, you know, just the typical self tanners. Okay. But I'm very, I'm very pale. So Same. it would literally take, gosh, like 10, 12 coats of this stuff to even get me dark enough. And then it ends up looking really blotchy and messy. So I've done the, let's go do the sunbed thing and got real nice base tans and used like pro tan and it came out really nice. Yeah. But I mean, sitting in, in tanning beds for days and weeks on end is not the most healthy thing to do for your skin. No. So to me, I don't really recommend that anymore just because of that. I'm like, this sport is not that important to really think about damaging your skin, you know? No way. Yeah. So, so, you know, if some shows permit dream tan, I think for bodybuilders, male bodybuilders, that's probably the best color on stage. It's which, messy. Which one out but, of interest, Jeff? Because I know there's two. <clears throat> there's uh, actually there's going to be a there's a third oh, one I think now. There's Dream Town one, two, and three. Dream Town one is the gold color, which very rarely do I see people look good with that color. My brother uses that, and for some reason it just is awesome. Awesome on him. Makes you I put it on. Statue. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't look too gold for him, but for me it looks terrible. Yeah. Um, but Dream Tan number two is usually like the that's the red bronze that looks pretty good on most people. Yeah. But now they have a th number three where I think they just combine the two colors together. Okay. Um, but I haven't tried it, so I have I have no idea. Okay. Um, it's messy, but it looks great on stage. Doesn't damage your skin. You know, basically you you could apply it the night before. You could apply it the morning of. You're good to go. I prefer to do the morning of just okay. because the, you don't want to do it at night because your sleep's going to be terrible. It's basically you're sleeping in mud. <laughs> so I think that sleep the night before is pretty important. You get a good night's rest. So I'm like, eh, I'll just do it in the morning. Um, so that usually works pretty well. But as far as like the the tan, like the, sh the show tanning, like where you go and they, they you pay for the service. and do, It's been hit or miss. Like there's some that are really good at it. There's some that aren't so good at it. And I think if the dream tan is not allowed, then that's usually the route I recommend to my athletes because it's just like you don't have to stress on applying pro tan, applying uh, jan tan or whatever, like those self tanners because that shit takes literally – it's like an all-day process. And sometimes two days or three days, and that could be a huge stressor. Uh, the only downside to those people who do it, sometimes some of them aren't that great. Just had an athlete compete at a body power, um, and oh, he was just—he was just saying that it was—it was terrible. Oh, uh, so, but, but my thought is, okay, if majority of competitors are going that route in that show, then everybody's going to look the same. Mm, yeah, everybody's got a bad tan, unless your skin just happens to be—you know—takes it pretty well. So you kind of have to look at it that way. Like, yeah, it might look shitty, but maybe everyone else looks the same. So, but it's one of those. Um, I would say it's 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 a hard decision to make. My for me personally, I have a hard time letting someone else do my tanning because it's just that trust factor. Like mm. 
I'd rather keep the control in my hands and, and, and do it myself if I have to go like a self tanning product. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm the same. I I agree. I I'm stubborn with everything. I'm stubborn with anyone controlling my macros or anyone controlling my tan or anything like that. So I I I think that once you've found like a process that works well, I think it's just probably good to practice it and stick with it i think something that i did before my first shows i just practiced a little bit with the tan just to check how it set and and how it worked and and sort of how the how the application process was we're we're lucky in the uk because we have a product called and not not a lot of people use it but it's called dark as um and it's basically it's made by um uh, the the people that sort of are quite affiliated with DFAC in in the US yeah yeah um and uh that that is dark like this it says it's dark and it is dark so all you need yeah. all you need is like one coat the night the night before and one coat on the morning and that's it and it's like it's yeah. like protan in terms of the application exactly um, yeah i've used like anecdotes i've used dream dream tan as well um and I, I, I found that it was good. Like the color was great, but like you said, it's messy. Um, it's messy. It, can, it can rub on clothes and things like that. I needed like a top up when I was backstage because it, it sort of rubbed on things. Have you got any recommendations as to, I know it sounds um, silly, but like what, what, what do you wear? Like what clothing wise do you wear on the day? And like, how do you recommend to competitors to like not get tan on stuff and, and sort of like I, make sure that you're not like rubbing on stuff. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're wearing dream tan, you have to realize that you're it's gonna get messy. Yeah, it's, you're gonna you're gonna ruin your your clothes. You're gonna get all of your clothes. But I would say if you if you are using dream tan, because a lot of the venues don't like it because people are careless and then they rub the walls. They rub. So if you are if you are wearing that, you, I would just say be a little respectful of the venues because. It's a great color to use on stage, and if it, the more and more these promoters keep pulling that product, then you, to me, for me personally, it's like I'm I'm gonna have to rely on other tanning products, which I don't really care for too much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like for me personally, I'll wear like old sweats, old t-shirts, an old long sleeve sweatshirt. That way, my arms are covered, so I don't get it rubbed all over everything. I don't get my car dirty. Yeah. Um, the hotel and all that you just basically old old clothes that you don't care about yeah i still have the same sweats um and same shirt and same sweatshirt that i wore like three years ago i'm gonna wear it again in this year amazing <laughs> yeah okay, so cool 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 wicked um and finally whilst we're on tan as well do you have any advice as to what competitors do for their face and how uh, to tan the face effectively yeah i am a i'm a I'm a, really a perfectionist, so I'm like whenever I go to local shows and I'm helping out my athletes, they'll they'll vouch for me. I make their face as pretty as I could possibly make it, ah, because you don't want to go up there with a brown body and a white face. I mean that looks weird, you know. So it's like, and when you get your photos taken and you're like, I can look at my shows from ten years ago and look and go, okay, it looks good you know you want to have you want to have good photos you don't want to be like mismatching your face and all that so i'll make sure that i take the time make sure like everything is done on the face in the hairline and all that so there's no white showing or anything like that yeah. even my step my stepmom i remember one show i did this was back in the mid 90s you didn't you were up there on stage but you didn't do your ears your ears were all white mm-hmm 
And so she pointed that out. I'm like, all right. So I had to, for the night show, I touched up my ears so there was no white on my ears. So yeah, yeah. the little little details matter. When you're on stage, you want to look polished. You want to present yourself well. And you want to look like you're professional up there. You know, so if you're up there with a mismatching face, same thing with posing. If you're posing as off, it's gonna stand. It's gonna stand out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you use sort of like um, makeup pads or anything like that with when you come when you come to apply it on the face or anything like that in terms of just making sure that it if fits? it's yeah, if it's pro tan or or Jantana, then yeah, it's those round little pads. Yeah. yeah. But if it's um like Dream Tan, it's it's mainly like. I use the palm of my hand, or I'll use my fingers and just kind of, you know, get in the cracks and crevices, kind of touch it in there, make sure everything's covered. Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, moving on on to sort of like closer to the show day it's, itself in terms of the physique. Now, when competitors get into like hotel rooms and they have this different environment, like we talked about the idea of looking at the physique and analyzing the physique becomes slightly more difficult because for the last 20 plus weeks you've been waking up looking at the same mirror in the same lighting and now yeah. you're in a different environment so what do you have in terms of advice for competitors in terms of analyzing the physique and because obviously we we want to make sure that we're we're perfecting the peaking process as much as we can so how do you recommend competitors maybe send across photos to you or analyze the physique in these final stages in a different environment? Yeah, it's rough because the lighting's going to be off at some hotels. You guys just got to try to find the best lighting in a hotel room. If there is a light source like a curtain or something, windows. So if you could find the take your pictures next to windows or just the best lighting you could find in there. Yeah. But you have to you have to understand too is like. If you've done everything you're supposed to do leading into peak week and you're and you're shredded where you're supposed to be, not a whole hell of a lot's going to change unless you really you really jacked up that peak. You did something crazy in during peak week. Yeah. Okay. So I can tell you the guys that are ready a week ahead, not a whole hell of a lot changes that week. Like I have one guy going right now in France and he's shredded out of his mind. <laughs> he's looked the he's looked the same every day this morning during peak week with a, maybe just a touch fuller because we backloaded him nice. but he is hard as shit every morning regardless of the lighting it's like nothing's going to change because his routine he's he it's basically the same he doesn't change nothing all the variables are consistent it becomes very robotic yeah. um and you hear like bro diets you hear oh don't be bro this bro this bro that because he's being more broy and everything's Works. robotic, their variables don't. There's they're not changing, so everything is consistent. Yeah. So let's just say you wake up on show morning. If you've done everything you're supposed to do and it wasn't like an outlandish peak process, not too much is going to change from Friday to Saturday morning if you've done everything you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. So that kind of gives me, in my mind, okay, that's some uh, comfort knowing that. Um, but yeah, as far as the light source and all that, you just do the best with what you got. Mm, yeah. But if you, but yeah, if you have like different lighting, there's a lot of shadowing, or it's like a really, it's going to be tough to tell from your normal environment to that new environment for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, that that makes sense. I think, you know, what you say in terms of just just trusting the process and getting into that robotic routine, I think that that's 
something I've seen, just like a correlation between the people that just l- look good um, and consistently bring really great physiques. The people that do get quite robotic, especially towards the end, like they're not having loads of variations in their meals. They're just quite set in stone. Um, and that's something exactly. I like, try to do myself. You know, I woke up on on one of my show days and just literally did every single thing that I do at home. And I was just like, well, if I do everything, I'm just going to look how I look when I go and pose after I do my cardio on a normal day. Um, and, yeah. and I did, you know. And you take notes ahead of time. So, you know, let's say you're three, four weeks out, two weeks out. Take notes during the day. Okay, I wake up in the morning, I'm flat. Mid Midday, I look a little fuller. At the end of the day, I'm much fuller, harder. If you take these notes, then it gives you comfort. As long as you're keeping all the variables the same like we talked about. Then on show day, you know, okay, here's the time, the, the timing of the show. You kind of, you have to plan ahead. Okay, when do I think I'm going to be on stage? Yeah. So basically, it's like your normal everyday environment, the way you're eating and all that, you try to match it up to the show timing. Mm-hmm. So if it means you got to wake up at 3 in the morning to start eating because you're, you're, you're full or like eight hours later, then you need to move your shit back. Wake up early so you can start your day earlier so that when you get to the stage, you're kind of matching up your best look to you, your normal environment. Yeah, it's interesting that. And I th- so if your show starts at 10 in the morning and you wake up at 7 in the morning, you're not giving yourself enough time to get some meals in and to look your best. Yeah. So you have to plan plan ahead. Get your get your environment set up to where it does help you to peak and relieve a lot of stress that way too. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I hadn't actually ever thought about that in terms of waking up earlier to, to sort of make sure that you're looking how you want to look at the right time that's that that's a really interesting yeah. point um, so i just had um yeah today i had a guy in france today yesterday i had a guy compete in kuwait okay, um wow cool. yeah the, mm-hmm. i was like okay man guy in france gotta get up at three and the other guy i think we got up at three thirty. i think it was three or three thirty somewhere in there. and we're there to get the meal like sleep in between meals and just to make sure <clears> that they're still getting enough sleep or, or would they just sort of stay awake um, that's self choice, but yeah. I don't think you're. Gonna, I don't think you're going to go back to sleep on show day. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think you're going to be. Not. You're going to be amped up and ready to go. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. No, I think that's a yeah, a really good point. I think people can take away from that because I think you know, like I said, I hadn't even thought about. It. I think a lot of people won't even think about that. They'll just think I'll just wake up at my normal time. I'll do my normal meals and I'll just look how I look, and that's potentially why some competitors always say, "Oh, I look better at the night show when there wasn't so much judging going on." Like because yeah. they've actually just got that's when they've got most of their food in and they look exactly. the best. That's yeah. happened to me a few times on my shows. Like like at Worlds, I was flat at prejudging and I was like, if I would have looked like I did at the finals for prejudging, it, it might have moved me up one slot. Yeah. So yeah, I know now. Okay, I need to make sure that I'm getting in enough food and probably waking up a little bit earlier and all that. So, yeah, it's a it was a good learning experience. Yeah, absolutely cool. Um. So we kind of touched on it already in terms of you saying you need to just basically do the protocol and keep things similar and stay in your routine. But a lot of people, and I've I've actually had people that have other coaches message me like the night before the show saying, oh, AJ, my, my coach has asked me to have this weird meal or this, this glass of wine or, or this crazy thing that I've not had in 20 plus weeks. So just, just, <laughs> yeah. just so people can hear it from the top, hear it from yourself, 
what's your what's your opinion on these these silly protocols where a new meal comes in that you've not had in so long or, or like having a glass of wine or all of this stuff like what's your opinion on that uh yeah i don't i think that's uh probably not a good idea because if you're all of a sudden eating this weird meal that you could have a reaction maybe your body doesn't digest that too well yeah um the, the wine i'll tell you a story i, I was i forget which show it was so a few years back Okay. Backstage, there was a female competitor. I can't remember if she was figure or bikini, but she was having the wine. And I think, you know, the wine, okay, we're going to dry this girl out. So I don't know if her coach told her to do it or what, but she was drinking wine. She was tipsy backstage. Man. I mean, you have to factor in if you've dieted for weeks and weeks and you're pretty lean and all of a sudden you have alcohol, you're going to be really sensitive to that. And it's not going to take much for you to feel tipsy. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was like you don't want to do anything voodoo-ish or crazy the last minute um, because, again, the way you're going to peak for a show is not these silly things the day of or the day before or any magical protocol like one day out or something. It's the weeks that got you to peak week. That That's the most important step of peaking for a show is getting getting in condition ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah, no, so if you're weird. yeah, so if you're not in shape, you know, a week out or even the day of, it's not going to happen just by drinking a glass of wine or or eating some crazy meal. It's not going to it's not going to happen. Yeah, I agree. I I mean, when when people have sort of asked me about the wine, the only thing that I've sort of said is I'm and I say, well, you know, if it, if it really helps, if it helps you sleep and it helps control nerves, then maybe. But then at the same time, if you haven't had that sort of thing for so long, it's probably best just to avoid it because you don't know how you're going to react to it at all. And like yeah. you said, like I can't even imagine my alcohol tolerance right now, but it's pretty damn low. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just because I don't drink alcohol at all. But, you know, maybe for someone that drinks alcohol on a regular basis, you'd be able to attest to your tolerance a bit more. But for most it's a bit ridiculous and yeah backstage i've seen some i've seen some weird stuff as well like i've seen guys like nailing niacin tablets and (laughs) getting getting flush and feeling like horrific on stage i had a guy i kid you not he passed out next to me on stage (laughs) this was back in 2000 when i was doing i did an npc show which is non-tested yeah Uh, so on stage this guy literally passed out and his head slammed into the ground oh. well we found out basically he, he, he took some diuretics oh god yes yeah, so basically he was severely dehydrated it was yeah. pretty scary so i've seen some crazy crazy stuff backstage over the years yeah yeah i can imagine you know that's a testament to playing around with your body and that's what you're gonna get you know you're gonna get weird fluctuations and you probably could have looked fine just without them but that's it i guess um cool so um we mentioned this again like just uh, we touched on it a little bit with regards to sort of competitors waking up flat now is this something that you just see across the board like because obviously when we sleep we don't have water we don't have food in our system we wake up flat now, have you had any situations potentially when peaking clients where they wake up and you're like, wow, you look like really, really good. You look very full. Um, mm-hmm. and, and how do you think that, that potentially happens? Or is it 90% of the time people wake up flat? I would say that most people wake up flatter than 
then later, like in the evening, let's say they're a little fuller. I think, yeah, you're going to look flatter. I've seen athletes wake up full in the morning, but still flat and still flat in comparison to what their fullest look is. Okay. So to me, I'd like, if I have an athlete that wakes up looking pretty decently full like that, then the show day, it's not, okay, I don't need to feed this person, you know, a crazy amount of food, you know, mm-hmm. cause once they start eating a little bit, get a little bit of water in them or sodium, they're going to fill out. Um, so yeah, I think it's pretty normal that most people are going to look a little bit flatter than they normally do, like compared in comparison to like afternoons and evenings okay. for the reasons you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. Wicked. Um, now with athletes that I've seen and with myself, I tend to notice that signs of flatness come in specific body parts. So you'll notice that when someone is flat, this body part tends to just fade or this body part tends to fade. Um, yeah. How do you spot it with your athletes? Is there any tricks and techniques that you've used over the years to think, wow, okay, this competitor does does has woken up very flat. We need to do something about this. And more to that, what can you actually do on show day to potentially feed up? Because obviously we've only got a certain amount of time before that competitor is stepping on stage and a simulation of carbohydrates is going to take some time. Time, um, yeah. What can we actually do? Um, but yeah, sorry, that was sort of two questions in one. So if you're able to answer that. <laughs> no, that's fine. So the fir- first question is like how I identify flatness. I think like kind of like you said, like you know if you're prepping an athlete or you see it on yourself – you know where your your body parts, you know, through the course of the prep, what's flat. Mm. Like for me personally, it's my back. Okay. When I'm flat, my back looks like it's flat. <laughs> so that's a good indicator for me uh, of flatness and fullness. Some athletes, it might be their glutes. You know, one day their glutes are shredded, and then the next day all of a sudden they're not shredded. You're like, okay, how'd that happen? It's not like they gained a bunch of fat. Mm. So it's just a matter of fullness. So there's, it's just you have to kind of identify what, like you said, what body parts you can spot it the best on. Um, but it's, so hopefully that kind of answers that question. Um, but yeah, as far sure. as like, okay, the other question was, remind me again, part two. The other question was part two. What can you do when competitors do wake up flat? Like what can you actually That's do right. to fix that? Step one is to get up early enough so you can fix it. So it goes back to the make sure you're up early enough because if you, you're up at like 10, your show starts at 12 or 1, it's not going to be enough time to fix fullness because like you said, it takes time for those carbs to basically digest and be assimilated. Um, so if you are super, super flat, um, just make sure you're well hydrated. Like the first thing I do when I wake up from my shows is I drink about 16 to 20 ounces of water first thing because usually you're dehydrated when you wake up yeah so yeah, so yeah, let yeah. me get some water in me so i fill out and you'll be surprised what that will do you'll start to fill out a little bit um but then it's like maybe it's just a matter of okay let's say if your your game plan was to eat 60 grams of carbs per meal maybe it's 70 or 80 maybe a little bit more food a little more carbs that might help might be more sodium um so maybe you know, let's say you're supposed to take in three grams of sodium that day maybe okay let's pump it to five or six yeah. double it up um so a lot of times it's a lot of times athletes is not carbohydrate flatness it's more like dehydration flatness and sodium flatness so i've, I've yeah. seen athletes where i'm like i look at them like okay you don't look you don't like flat per se but you just don't have that pop and it's because they're more dehydrated and sodium flat than they are uh, carb flat 
So especially if I know like, okay, if I had the peak, let's say they're backloaded and they're eating four or 500 carbs for like three straight days and their typical low days, like two, 300, then in my mind, I'm like, there's no way this person's flat. We didn't like do these crazy workouts or a bunch of cardio. So there's no way this person's flat. It's like, okay, I just need to make sure they get enough, you know, food or not food, but sodium and water in them. So it might just be that, you know, so, so it's always good to have some extra sodium on hand in your bag. Uh, make sure you bring plenty of water uh, to your shows. So that's yeah, you have to look at those variables too. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. You point that out. I think the specific point that I kind of like there is with the the glutes, um, because you know a lot of people when they see glutes go flat or soft, they'll probably think the opposite. They might think, oh, I've spilled, like I've lost detail there. But in reality, it, it, like you said, it's it's probably going to be the fact that you're potentially flat but i guess spotting that throughout your prep is very integral to know the difference between okay right i've actually spilled here or i'm i'm just flat and i need to eat up like sodium water flatness as well is very interesting um and again if, i think if all your and again if all your variables are consistent then yeah, you, it's not like all of a sudden it's like you're going to be spilled over unless you just ate a ginormous amount of carbohydrate, ginormous amounts of sodium, more than you normally would do. Um, especially if you're not like depleted ahead of time, like if it's just pretty consistent. So if you're depleted ahead of time, like really depleted, then it probably won't spill you if you're you're doing that where you're eating a ton. But if yeah. everything's pretty consistent, all of a sudden you eat a ton of food, then yeah, you're probably going to look spilled yeah yep 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 that makes total sense um so you kind of alluded to the fact that you might have a structure to your day when it comes to show day foods um and i actually sort of asked a brief following that i have as to whether they've got any questions for you and the most generic question was what we do with regards to macro setup for the actual show day itself so when it comes to giving your athletes a plan for show day what what does that tend to look like in terms of the structure um you know is there any specific structure towards having higher carbs in the morning tapering down to to the show day and and how do you sort of give that to your athletes it's basically i set up a structure based on when we think they're going to be on stage okay so that's it's hard to gauge because you know if let's say prejudging starts at 10 if your class is maybe fourth in line, fifth in line, then you kind of have to kind of estimate, okay, when are you actually going to be on stage? So that's the first thing, and it's hard to gauge. So it's like if you think you're going to be on stage at noon, let's say, and we want to get, let's say, four meals in ahead of time to kind of have that same look we have in the afternoons or evenings, then we got to set your timeline up as far as when you're going to get up and start eating. Yeah. And I personally just like to kind of keep the food levels consistent with each meal, not like have these – ginormous swings like super high foods first meal and then low later or vice versa mm. so that way your body you know you that way you could you have time to digest and everything's not you know in indigestion or anything like that so basically it's just kind of keep things kind of the same with each meal mm. um, and of course it depends on the experience level of an athlete like if i have an experienced competitor and they're usually the ones that are more robotic. They're going to be eating the same foods for the most part all the time. I don't have to make a meal plan for them. No. Um, I'll, I'll ask them what they're eating ahead of time. Hey, okay, what's what's your carb sources? That, what's your staples? Your carb sources, your protein, your fat sources. If I see anything outlandish on there, or if I feel like it's okay, maybe there's not enough potassium coming in or something like that, then I'll say, okay, let's 
let's put you know maybe a potato in there for your first meal that way you're covering your bases with with potassium but for the most part experienced athlete i'm gonna let them set their own meal plan but i'm gonna assign the macros for each meal basically okay here's here i want you to eat at this time this time this time this is the macros that i want you to eat at this time this time this time and i'll set up like sodium levels for each meal i'll set up those guidelines so things are are structured but they have their own control as far as how they're what the foods are going to eat because they've been doing this for so long whereas someone who's inexperienced yeah i'm gonna make it probably create a meal plan like i'm like okay this is the foods you're gonna eat this is the amounts this like you really make it more detailed um so they don't do something crazy or mm-hmm. they have they have someone at the show backstage saying hey man I heard if you eat a chocolate bar, this will do this for your veins, and then they do it and screw things up. I've seen that happen before. Yeah. Where yeah. then it's crazy. Like you're working with a coach for weeks and weeks and weeks, but then on show day you got some other athlete telling you some outlandish, and they go with that because their nerves are so rattled on show day they just do it. I know. Out of yeah. insecurity. Yeah. So yeah, I really like to have more control with with more of the athletes that are like first timers or just inexperienced in general. Yeah, yeah, t- totally, totally agree with that. Um, what would you say the role of dietary fat is on a show day? Um, and would you say that you you've seen any sort of potential improvements in um, vascularity or fullness as a, as a result of increasing dietary fat in some of those pre stage meals? Yeah, it can help slow down the digestion a little bit. So yeah, yeah, I don't like go crazy like I hear I'm gonna have to throw a shit ton of fat at you, but it's yeah, I'll make sure that there's enough fat in there so their their normal day it looks again going back to what their normal days look like. Okay. That's where I kind of stay right around. I don't like to do anything crazy. No. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense because obviously, the more variables we increase, like we said earlier on, the more variables you have, the the more variable the look. Um. So yeah, that that makes total sense. Um. Do do do. Okay. So when it comes to, like actual stuff that you would say people need to have on them on show day obviously we know that you've got set structure to your meals now this can potentially change as a result of how you feel or look on the day so is there anything or any items of of food or snacks or anything you do you ask your athletes to keep on them during the day yeah extra food definitely like definitely you want to have at least a fourth or maybe half more than your normal just in case yeah just in case you are like really flat or something like that um and you want foods that look more along the lines of what you typically eat you know are going to digest well aren't going to cause any stomach issues um so it's like things like rice cakes um it could be bread or something like that like white bread or like i go with hawaiian rolls um i don't know if you guys get them there but okay they're they're really they're really tasty for one, but they they digest really easy. Yeah. So things like that. Um, that extra like, sodium. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Is that like sushi rice with the Hawaiian Hawaiian rolls? No, it's like a bread. It's like oh, a sweet bread. A bread. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a sweet bread. Yeah. Um, the like extra sodium, just yeah. you know, just in case you're sodium flat, you have that extra sodium with you. Okay. Um, plenty of water. Um, make sure you have your posing trunks. Mm-hmm. Um. That's happened before where they're like, oh, shit, I don't have my trunks. Um, I would say a couple pairs of posing trunks. That way, if you get, like, a lot of tanning on the first pair during pre-judging, you have the clean, clean ones for the night show. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? 
just you know extra pair of clothes, baby wipes for you know to, to clean yourself off and things like that. Cool. Um, cool. Don't forget your wallet. Yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Cool. Okay. So when we get to the actual backstage at the show, um, this is where you know a lot of competitors will sort of get I've had competitors in the past sort of get a bit stressed or a bit confused about how they're going to be pumping up like how much should they pump up um yeah. and, and 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 this is something that obviously again is just just the icing on the cake uh but is you have you got a sort of any um tips or advice that you've learned over the years with regards to pumping up and and making sure yeah. you're ready for the stage I think that's a more important aspect than I don't think it's talked about enough to be honest with you. Um, mm. <clears throat> true story, pro international. I'm getting ready to pump up. These are pros, mind you. They're pumping up like there's no tomorrow. Like they're it's almost like a a full blown workout. It seems just the intensity and um, they're going super fast pace. And in my mind, I'm saying okay because they're pumping up so hard and they're just like doing it a lot. I'm like, okay, when I get on stage, these guys are going to gas out. That's what happened. That's exactly what happened. Because when I was on, after about three poses, I could hear the guys around me huffing and puffing. And I was just like sweaty, breathing out, breathing out my nose and in total control. So pumping up, you, you should have poise. It's like, take your, make sure you're, first things though, find out when your class is going to go up. Don't, don't rely on, the guys backstage to tell you when to pump up. If you see the class or two ahead of you getting, you know, they're pumping up, they're getting ready to go on stage, take it upon yourself to start pumping up when you should be pumping up, not rely on someone to say, okay, it's time to pump up. Oh, you got, then like two minutes later, you hear them say, okay, line up. That's happened so many times. So class ahead, that's what you should say. Okay, I'm going to get, get myself ready now. Um, but yeah, when I pump up, it's basically, it's like, I'll do like, push-ups i'll do a row i'll do a side lateral and i'll do a curl that's it and i'll just do 10 10 very poised reps like nice and controlled not rushing so just do 10 go to the next exercise do 10 do a circuit and then i and i rest i'll just chill and i'm going i'm just really staying calm and just getting a nice controlled pump that way um and then when i get on stage i'm not gassed or winded it's huge. You, you, it's if you're not gassed when you get out there, you're going to be so much more in control of your posing, a lot more poise, and that's definitely I think a big factor as to why I was able to squeak out of a win was because of that. Because my posing was like spot on. The other guys were like fading after just about three or four poses. You could hear them just like gasping for air. Yeah, 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 yeah. and like the the other thing is obviously. Uh, like when you when you get on stage and you're gassed you your tan's gonna run you're gonna look messy and you know you're gonna be too hot under the lights and you know yeah because you're getting on there with the, with the poise is key yeah yeah you're, you factor your adrenaline's going as well like you're you're comp you're gonna get out there and you're gonna be like i want to win i'm competitive so you're amped then you got some fatigue set in from the posing you see a lot of guys shaking when they're posing some some of them cramp up um so it's like you really from the time you start popping up you need to be just totally in control poised relaxed when you get on stage when you're hitting your poses i can tell you that when you pose at 100 percent, meaning if you're flexing down as hard as you possibly can 
you're going to fatigue out really early because it's a lot of energy going out. But if you just like let up just a little bit, you hit them at, let's say, 85, 90% tension, it does not change the look. You're still going to see yeah. all your definition, but you're going to be in. So you're going to be you're going to be able to smile because you're not grimacing and grunting, you know, like it's a 600 pound deadlift. You're just like in total control. And if it's a long prejudging, like if it's a dog fight, you're going to last a lot longer because you're in total control. Yeah. And that that's basically what happened at the Pro International. It was like probably a 20 20 to 30 minute prejudging, and I remember the head judge saying. Um, you guys need a break? And I'm like, no, let's keep – I just shook my head. No, let's keep it going. I could have did that all day. I was in total control. Not mm -hmm. to sound arrogant. That's just how it was. Just that that makes a huge difference in your posing. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's a – you know, that, that that's a testament to your practice and the hours that you probably put into your posing and knowing how much poise and – how much you need to sort of like tense or contract each muscle to gain that control over things as opposed like and you obviously recording yourself posing as well because you do you do the vlogs and you do your posing updates you'll you'll probably be able to see okay like i, I know i know i was maybe not contracting just a i need to contract just a little bit more just to gain that that full tension or something like that um so you know that's obviously something that's not protruding to the show day itself but it's important that you do give enough time to your posing, otherwise you uh, yeah. can stay short. That's that's a if you think about it, you know, there's four aspects to prep. There's your nutrition, there's your cardio, there's your weight training, there's posing. It's twenty five percent of the puzzle. So if you're not well prepared leading into that show, that would be the say equivalent of you not paying attention to your diet. You're not gonna be prepared. So it's it's yeah. frustrating for me as a more of a spectator. It's frustrating as a spectator sitting in the audience, looking at some guys up there that you know they didn't practice posing. You know, if they're shaking, trembling, they're just they're just their posture's bad. You're just like, okay, they basically just winging it. So it's important. Like you want to make sure that you're dialed in with your presentation, because you don't want to give all your weeks and weeks of work a disservice either. You know, you worked hard to be up there to celebrate that day. And if you're celebrating it with, with really shitty posing, then not only are you letting yourself, you're letting the you're letting the spectators down, the judges down, but most importantly, you're letting yourself down. Yeah, so, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. It? it is a shame because you do see, like you said, you see some great physiques, and you're like, wow, like they're just like not even opening up their back on a on a rear double, like they're just contracting their lats downwards, and it, it's just like you've got a huge back and you can't even see it. Um, yeah. it's so upsetting, right? It's exactly like I remember competing against Eric Eric Helms in 2009 before we started <laughs> coaching and all that. And backstage, you know, he just looked like an average guy. He didn't, you know, he wasn't real muscular. He didn't appear that way anyway. Just backstage walking around, he just didn't look like a lot. But after my class was over, I was in the middleweights. He was in the, I think, light heavies. I went out, or it might have been, I can't remember. But I went to the audience to watch his prejudging, and he came to life. It was like, oh, wow, this dude has totally transformed himself through the posing. And it was like, wow, you know, um, he still had some work to do. But, I mean, his posing was really good at that time. And it made a huge difference. So here I thought this guy backstage wasn't really all that much, but he turned out to be really well. And he actually, his posing actually got him his pro card. 
Because when he won his pro card, the guy there was actually the guy should have beat him, but the guy just did not know how to pose. The guy was more conditioned, a little more muscular, but Eric just was on point with posing, and he presented himself a little bit better, and actually a lot better, and he, he walked away at the win because of the posing. So it makes a huge difference, and I think too many guys just neglected a little too much. So just remember, it's twenty twenty five percent of the puzzle. Yeah, yeah, no, you do see that, like, with Eric, obviously, that's a great example, and you do see that, especially in, like, over here in the UK, and I'm sure it's the same in the US, when you have sort of, like, teenage and junior categories, they're not necessarily weight split, so you'll have, um, like, when I competed as a, as a junior, I was up against one guy that was, like, 25 pounds heavier on me on stage, so you have, like, huge comparisons yeah. in body weight, so you really have to be able to pose yourself to your best ability and show off everything perfectly to be able to catch up with these guys that have got more mass. Um, but yeah. it, it's true. It's funny how, you know, people relaxed can look like, you're like, do you even lift? And then they suddenly pose and they pop and they have yeah. this huge, like suddenly their frame just takes off. Um, yeah. But it is crazy to see that with some individuals, you just it's just like this perfect remedy for like it's it's normally structure related i guess isn't it it's like the waist the tie-ins and the muscle bellies that all make up the overall shot that relaxed might not look so impressive i yeah i think the ultimate example you can look at in our sport is brian whitaker you know he's world champion in yeah. 2015 like he's 160 pounds I mean, he's not the biggest guy at all, you know. Yeah, you know, when you see him in person, you know, he's like, he doesn't seem like a big guy. Gets out on stage though, and the posing is flawless, um, you know. And you and you add that to the conditioning and the symmetry, and it's like, whoa, this guy all of a sudden is a gym, um, and he walks mm -hmm. away with two world titles, you know. So the posing was a yeah. big, a big part of that, big part of that. Yeah, sure. Um, just to cover one more thing on backstage. Have you got any sort of protocols that athletes do use immediately pre-stage with regards to potential sodium or like a food option that you might have them just have right immediately before they go on stage or during pump-up? Yeah, usually like five, ten minutes before you go to pump-up. It's like, okay, let's get in, you know, depending on the athlete, maybe one to two grams of sodium. Uh, just okay. basically chase it down with some water. Um, and then basically maybe, you know, 30, 20, 30, 40 grams of carbs, some, some type of simple carb. Maybe it's like a half a Pop-Tart or a Pop-Tart or some other form of carb that's really easy to digest, gets quick. Mm. Um, and that's just to help pump up. That's to help. But by the time you get on stage, that's probably getting in your system. That's going to help you, you know, continue posing for that energy. And that's, you know, keeps you going. So, and just, you know, some water while you're pumping up, no doubt. So that's generally like kind of like the last, like right before popping up, yeah. Nice, yeah, yeah. Something that I think I think I learned that from one of your videos or some content from 3DMJ and started doing that with athletes. And you know, usually the the feedback is, "Wow, I got a crazy pump just immediately from from that sodium hit." Um, and yes. obviously Some people do it via food, but usually it's like like you said half a teaspoon or a teaspoon of salt in some water and and yeah. it's a pretty much a go for having a pump yeah raises the blood pressure so it helps yeah to get you a little bit better yeah. pump yeah nice awesome okay jeff well i 
I think we, we, we've covered a lot here. I think we've covered a, a great amount with regards to the show day itself. Um, and I'm sure that listeners will, will take home a lot from this. Is there anything specific that you potentially think we've missed out or you'd like to add to the, the discussion that people think they can take away and apply to their show day? Um, but if not, we'll, we'll sort of wrap things up. I just think in general, just remember like what we started with. You just treat the treat the show day as a celebration, and if you go at it from that aspect, you'll enjoy yourself a lot more. Of course, you want to be competitive. You know, when you're on stage, be competitive. But everything else, embrace it. Like the people backstage, you know, open up, be friendly, meet new people. Don't be closed down and so competitive that you don't enjoy yourself back there. Um, but yeah, just the, just celebrate your hard work. That's what it's all about. That day is your day to celebrate. Um, and then everything else is like I said, don't get crazy during peak week. Don't get crazy on show day with all these voodoo-ish stuff. Keep things pretty consistent. Keep all your variables in line. Make sure you, you set your environment up to where it kind of mimics your normal day-to-day stuff. And I think that's you know, in general the most important. So worst case scenario, even if something does go wrong, um, if you have your variables in order, it's not going to be all that wrong. So that's it's in a nutshell here. Amazing. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. Um, I really do appreciate it, and uh, I, you know, I wish you the best of luck with the the rest of your prep um, this year. I know that Jeff is uh, 21 weeks out from the Mayhem, uh, which may well be your first show. Um, so that that's really, really exciting. And, and for, for listeners as well, thank you very much for, for listening. I, I would like to also recommend that you, you go and follow, if you're not already, follow Jeff on his Instagram, which I'll, I'll link below, which is 3DMJ Godfather. Um, and also follow the Team 3DMJ YouTube channel. Um, also subscribe to their podcast uh, on the iTunes app and the YouTube channel as well because all superb pieces of content. Um, but yeah, thanks again, Jeff. And uh, um, thanks to the listeners for listening. And uh, we'll, we'll catch you in the next one. Cheers, Jeff. Cool. Thank you. <laughs>